right. Here, I gotta get this out. I got tradition to uphold here. All right. What you here for? All right, you gotta stay quiet. <laughs> yeah, I hear. Can you go, Grandma? Go get Grandma. <laughs> Any other time, he would have been like, "Yeah, Grandma," but it's, it's really it's the stage he's after. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I I guess I'm touched. He acts like that whenever I come home from work, too, at least for now. I walk in the doors, Daddy, and he comes rushing. Like, I'm, I'm really happy to see that, but I have no expectations of it actually staying that way for very long. One of these days, he's going to not react that way, so i got to enjoy it while it lasts. Um, all right, so anyway, upholding tradition here. What did the custodian say when he jumped out of the closet? See if I got any anybody's faces showing there. Do you know this one? He said, "Supplies." <clears throat> How does a penguin build its house? It glues it together. It glues it together. Uh, which knight invented King Arthur's Round Table? Circumference. <laughs> what do sprinters eat before a race? Nothing. They fast. <clears throat> what happens when you witness a shipwreck? You let it sink in. All right, okay. All right, with uh, you're going to have to let the laughing die down a little bit here. It's okay. I'll give you a minute. Okay, we got it. Okay. All right. Um, I think we got the verses ready. I'm going to start with one here. We're uh, going to be reading Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Matthew 22. 36 through 40. All right. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. All right. Uh, we'll start. Let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you for uh, blessing us with this opportunity to be here today and with one another. And uh, Lord, I ask that you would help this message to reach everyone that's listening and give them exactly what they need. Give them the message they need to hear right now, Lord. Um, we're not here to just hear the words coming out of my mouth. Lord, uh, I want you to speak to all of these people and just help me to be the, the vehicle by which they can receive that. And uh, Lord, we thank you for all these blessings that you give. Thank you for being with us this morning. Love and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So maybe you've heard of a, a thing that I've seen in the news a few times now called quiet quitting. Uh, if you haven't heard of that, what it is is basically a, a phrase that people are using now to explain why they're not doing more than they're asked or going you know above and beyond. Um, it always, to me, growing up, uh, was explained that if you go beyond what you're expected to do, you do more than you're expected to do, um, you're, you have higher aspirations and goals, so you work more like what you're wanting to become, not necessarily just what you're getting paid to do. And that was a virtuous thing to do, and that's how you got ahead, 
That's how you got places. That's how you got closer to where it was that you wanted to be long term. Um, quiet quitting is uh, a, a phrase used to describe sort of an opposite philosophy. And that philosophy is you're not going to get ahead by doing more. So why give more of yourself than what you're getting paid for? Do exactly what you're paid to do and no more. And for those of you that are in a union, that's probably also what <laughs> the union has told you. Don't do more than you're paid to do because then we're going to be wanting more pay. And that's an opportunity to make some extra cash. So why are you giving it up for free? I understand that. But uh, there's more that is virtuous in giving. And I don't care who it is that you're giving to, you know, if it's an ungrateful employer. I mean, first of all, it's your opinion whether he's ungrateful or not. But beyond that, it's not just you giving things. It's not a zero-sum game where you don't get paid. And Anyway, all right, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more. But I wanted you to be aware of this thing, quiet quitting, that's been going on. And uh, uh, another current event thing, I actually was intending to give this message last week, so this is pretty old news now. But, um, you know, Tom Brady and Giselle are getting, they're separated and talking about divorce and, and all that. And um, she had, she, I think it was Twitter. She was on Twitter. And somebody had posted in reference to their relationship, you can't be in a committed relationship with someone who is inconsistent with you. And then just to show how seriously intelligent that was, they followed it up with saying, read that again. Uh, so you, let's read it again. You can't be in a committed relationship with someone who is inconsistent with you. Okay, we read it again. And I'm, I'm still saying that's kind of a vague thing to say. What do you mean? W what is inconsistent? What does that mean exactly? And if we're saying that, you know, somebody isn't who you want them to be all the time, so you can't be in a committed relationship with them, then I would say that's exactly wrong. That's definitely the wrong message. So... I mean, what is inconsistent is kind of the, the key to the whole thing. But, you know, this, this kind of lends itself to this whole thing that you see these days where people are you know, saying, get exactly what you want or bail. If it's not exactly what you're looking for, get out. If you're not getting the full compensation, take a hike. It's all about you. Society popularizes the idea that if you're unhappy with your spouse, you get divorced. And why is that? Because you got to take care of yourself. You got to be true to yourself. You got to be taking care of yourself. And the more we're doing this, this divorce rate we've got these days going up and up and up. And there's more and more marriages ending in divorce. Um, Christina, just last night we were talking and. Uh, I'll, I'll say exactly what stemmed it because it's brownie points for me. Everybody can know. I, I was saying that uh, I'd, I saw somebody who was complaining about marriage and saying that, you know, with all the divorces that are going on, you've got the odds are against you and being successful. And then as a guy, once you get that divorce, you're going to lose the house and the kids and half of everything that you have of money if you're lucky. So they're looking at it as a numbers game. And for me, I've never thought of it that way. I didn't before I got married. I haven't since I've been married. And after, we're just about going to 10 years now, getting real close to 10 years. Other than choosing to follow Christ, 
Getting married was the best decision I've ever made. I would not change it. I have zero regrets about it. And it's a rare thing to have somebody say that these days. So it's, I'm, I'm happy to extend to all of you who are considering marriage or have been through marriage and had a hard time or, or whatever, it doesn't have to be that way. I understand it's been 10 years and we've got more life to go and you're thinking, well, it just hasn't hit him yet. I just can't imagine it. I can't imagine getting hit one day with the idea that marriage was a bad idea because I don't know what I would do without her. And my life was completely different, but only in the best of ways. So I take that as a, a little bit of hope for anybody who's out there just sort of lost and, and thinking about, you know, is marriage even right? Like, you find the right person, it is right. It is good. You will not be upset that you did it. But you better make some good decisions before you get to that marriage point, because if you make it in the wrong way, uh, <clears throat> marriage is not going to be so fun for you. But anyway, all of that to say, uh, my wife was saying that she was someplace. It was a, I think it was a place she used to work is what we decided, because she couldn't even remember where she had this conversation. But she was talking to some, some people that were there with her, and uh, they were talking about uh, how things would get settled in a divorce. That's what they were talking about. If they were to end up separated from their spouse, what things would happen, legally speaking. And they turned to Christina, who I'm sure was not engaged in that conversation anyway, but she just happened to be around. And uh, they said, well, what about you? And uh, she's like, I don't know. Never thought about it. And I said, what do you mean you never thought about it? You got married, you haven't even thought about what would happen? She's like, no, I haven't thought about it. And they're like, well, you would get the house, right? Would he, would he fight you for the house? And she's like, I don't think so. And it's in his name. <laughs> and they were like, what? You want to put the house in his name? Yeah. She wasn't even thinking about what would happen as far as that goes because it wasn't even a thought on her mind. It never crossed her mind what would happen in divorce because divorce was not even a thought in her, in her brain. And I'll say it wasn't for me either. You know, the fact that the house was in my name, it was all a credit decision because it had absolutely nothing to do with what's going to happen later. You don't think about it. And if you are thinking about it, you've already got your toes dangling over the edge. Like, you're going to fall off because even before you got in the marriage, you were already thinking about the end of the marriage. But people do this. They do this because they got to think about themselves. They got to think about what they're going to do for them. They're not thinking about the fact that they're going to be in a union with a, a spouse and that they are now one person. They're thinking, me, what am I going to do when my marriage ends in disaster? Absolutely crazy to think that that sort of thought process would end in a divorce, but strangely, it seems to be happening. People getting divorced a lot. Um, is it wrong to want things for yourself? Is it wrong to want to do better for yourself? No, not necessarily. It's not wrong to want things. It's not wrong to try to make money. It's wrong to love money. It's wrong to obsess over money. It's wrong to base your happiness on money because you're not going to be happy for very long. That stuff comes and goes quite a bit. It's a popular tactic of Satan to take something that is true and then apply it incorrectly so that that way, you know, you're getting the truth, you're with them, and then yoink, he pulls the, the snare, and now you're in the trap, and it was based on something that was originally true. 
God wants to bless you. God wants you to, to have things, and I'm not saying God wants you to be happy first and foremost. I would rather my children be healthy and well than walking around with a smile on their face all the time. I like when they smile. I want them to smile. And if I can do a nice thing for them, I'm more than happy to do it. But if it comes at the cost of my children being healthy, well, to an, I let them have candy. If it comes, <laughs> if it comes to them ending up without a home or in the hospital or, or something like that, I'm, I'm not gonna make that trade. I don't necessarily need them to be happy all the time. And in fact, I frequently make them unhappy. Like whenever I sent my son with my mom just now, that made him pretty unhappy. But it's not going to do good for him to be running around up here thinking he can go wherever he wants, whenever he wants, and we'll just let it all happen. That's going to be bad for him long term. But anyway, um, that, that's all to say, Satan will let you cling to this idea like, I should have something. I should have something for me. I should take care of me. There's nothing wrong with taking care of yourself until it comes at the expense of your relationship or at the expense of your own health or at the expense, most importantly, of your relationship with God. You start looking at stuff as your God instead of the actual God, you're going to start having negative consequences, and that's intended. Satan intends it to be that way. And speaking of Satan, what was his sin that caused him to fall? It was pride. He was thinking of himself. He went before God. He was the head angel, and it's even noted that he was beautiful. He was, he was a very special creation to the extent that he started looking at himself like, yeah, I am special. Yeah, I'm more special than God. And that's when he got cast out. So is it a coincidence that the further we all get away from God, it seems like the virtue is pride and self-indulgence. We get further away from God. We engage in the same things that Satan was engaged in when he was cast out of heaven. I don't think that's a coincidence. The further you get from God, the more self-interested you're going to be. You're going to be more like Satan himself. Um, this is, I'm going to tie it all together here in a minute. You'll get where I'm going. But uh, another story. I, uh, I work on our cars sometimes because we don't have all the money in the world. And it's expensive to start taking stuff in to have other people fix stuff, especially when it's things that you yourself could fix because they'll charge you three times as much to, to do the job. Um, so I spend time, you know, if I get a couple-hour job, um, I'll take it on myself because if it's a couple-hour job, then it'll only become like an eight-hour job that I had to spend 40 bucks to do. Um, but hey, I get it done, and that's still cheaper. Uh, but one of the more recent things I've done was... Uh, we were going to be taking a trip to Oklahoma, and uh, we had a camper we were going to be taking down there, and uh, I'd been working on the camper and trying to get everything fixed on it, and I practically had it fixed. I mean, you know, you could, like, sleep in it and stuff, so it was at least that fixed, and uh, I had it hooked up, and it was about time to be pulling out the driveway and heading on, on the road, and... Um, I had Christina hop up in the cab of the truck and push on the brakes because I was going to be checking all the lights and stuff on it. And I mean, we were supposed to be getting out of there in like 15 minutes from the time I was checking the lights and stuff because everything on the inside was good. But of course, she gets in there 
and she turns on the headlights and the lights pop on and then I have her push on the brakes and nothing happened <laughs> absolutely nothing and uh, so basically we had this gigantic trailer you couldn't see when anybody was going to be putting on the brakes and we were going to be riding down busy highways all the way down to Oklahoma and uh, it's like okay well this is going to be a problem there's there's no avoiding this one so I start thinking well, what could it be well maybe I've got a wiring issue it seems strange you would think if it was wiring it's probably only gonna be one light that goes out but I don't know maybe the wiring's weird on this like it ties together in a weird way or something I don't know so I start climbing around underneath there looking follow the wire all the way there's no damage wiring all looks good okay well um, obviously the bulbs work because they popped on when you turn on the headlights so just what could it be and then it occurred to me that maybe it's a fuse. So I started thinking, well, I'm gonna at least check and see if the fuse is good. And uh, I was like, well, once I get there, once I get there, I don't even know which fuse it's gonna be. You're gonna have to like guess and check the entire thing until you find the one fuse that's burned out, if it's burned out, and if it's not burned out, I'm still not even gonna know which one it was. So I'm like, what am I gonna do? Oh, well, let me check YouTube. I check YouTube for everything. We'll see, we'll look on YouTube. And I'm looking on YouTube, and not only could I not find uh, the correct fuses for this particular vehicle I was in, I couldn't find the correct location for the fuse box. I was, I was looking for him, like, well, it's usually under the hood. Nope, nothing there. Check YouTube. It says it's here. This guy, I'm looking there, and I'm seeing nothing. YouTube is worthless to me. I couldn't even find the fuses. So I'm thinking, what now? Ah, we got an owner's manual. So I go grab the owner's manual out of the, out of the glove box, and I look through, and sure enough, I can now see where the fuse box is, which is very important to know when changing fuses. And I get in there, and um, I'm like hanging upside down in the passenger seat with my head under the dash, and you know, like one foot out the window. And Christina's reading this thing to me as I'm going through trying to find which fuse it is. And uh, she's reading it through, and I'm not hearing anything that sounds correct to me. <laughs> I'm um, like, I don't, still have no idea which fuse that would be out of all the things that you just read. So, here, let me read it. So there I am reading like Spider-Man upside down. Okay, all right, okay, I think I got it. And pull it, sure enough, there's a burned out fuse. And then, it was too late to go buy more fuses, so what am I going to do? <laughs> I pulled another fuse out of another car we had sitting there and put it in there. I'm like, well, I'll have to replace that before we get back on the road. Hope I don't forget that. Like I forget everything else, that'll be awkward going down the road with no lights on my car. Anyway, we got it all taken care of. But I would have been in a hopeless mess without the owner's manual. If I did not have the owner's manual that came with that vehicle, I wouldn't have even known where to look for that fuse box. Don't, don't lose your owner's manual. You lose that owner's manual, you will be up a creek eventually thinking, oh, YouTube will save me. No, 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 no. Nobody else has that same vehicle that you do. The only people who know that vehicle are the guys who wrote that owner's manual. So you get what I'm saying here? All right. So, in the same way that that vehicle has an owner's manual that can tell you all the ins and outs of it, where to find things, and exactly what you're supposed to put into it, you too have an owner's manual. You are made with an owner's manual. And uh, fortunately, we all kind of run on the same manual. It's the Bible. You know, check that Bible. Anytime you've got a problem, you're lost, you don't know what to do, you can check your owner's manual and know exactly 
what you're supposed to be doing, what you're supposed to be putting in, what's supposed to be coming out. You can find it all because it's all written down in a book for you. God did not make commandments so that he could show you that he's in charge and that you would just have to obey him. It's not about him being the boss. It's not why he made these commandments. And I've said this during sermons before. Maybe some of you remember hearing this. The commandments are there because God made you a certain way. He made you a very specific way such that he actually wrote a manual for it because there's a consistency to the way that we function. These commandments were made because God knew how he made you. He knew how he made the world. He knew how things were supposed to work. And he wants you to do the things that you're supposed to do to keep functioning correctly. You get outside of those commandments, you will start noticing disorder. That's the reason we have a Bible. That's the reason we have commandments. It's not so that we can just look at him and be like, okay, he's in charge, and I'm, I'm, I'm not smart. I'm not going to be able to do anything. It's all, it is because you don't know. You don't understand the way you were built, and he does. But these days... We have been looking outside of our owner's manual for our advice. Most of these things that I was telling you about earlier uh, was me finding things online. So obviously I'm reading a lot of things people are talking about online. I think that's probably where most people find a lot of their advice these days. Whether it's right or wrong advice, we look online a lot. That, that bit on Twitter about... Uh, uh, Giselle, I don't, however you say her last name. That was a person giving their two cents that then tens or hundreds of thousands of people saw and took to heart, including uh, Giselle. That's the reason it's even known because she reacted to the comment in a way that like, showed she liked it. And everybody's like, oh, she reacts. Oh, she's made a statement about it. I was back off. That's her marriage. Why are you so into it? But it's beside the point. The point is, she had something to say, and a lot of people are taking that to heart. And what was that advice? If someone's inconsistent with you, you can't be committed to them. I don't even, I still don't even really know what that advice means, but let's check the owner's manual and see if that lines up. The first thing I had up here was Matthew 22, 36 through 40. And if you look in uh, 39 there, out of those, if you look at verse 39, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? If we're loving somebody else as ourself, we're saying you're not worth my attention if you're inconsistent. Who here is inconsistent? So, if you can't be committed to somebody who's inconsistent, you expect somebody to ever be committed to you? not the way it works fortunately you've got your instructions the bible gave them to you you know what you're supposed to be doing as long as you're looking in the right place for the correct instructions in galatians 5 13 for you brethren have been called to liberty only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another so the owner's manual, um, I'll try to break this down into something a little more contemporary. 
it says this, one, you're free to make your own choices. Two, despite the fact that you can make your own choices, you should not take that choice to pursue your own desires. Don't make it all about you, even though you, you can if you want to. We're telling you don't do it. And last of all, love others and do the things that show love to other people. Okay? Well, that's what the owner's manual says, so I'm going to say that's probably good advice because the guy who designed you says this is how you keep functioning correctly. The popular advice these days has told us the exact opposite, that you only live once, that life is too short, and if you're not satisfied, you're beating, being cheated out of what you deserve. You're a victim, and you need to be looking someplace else or at someone else uh, because you should not keep getting victimized by these people who are not putting you at the center of the universe. I often, when giving these sermons up here, will reference a suicide rate because I think it's pretty indicative of the direction we're headed with suicide on the incline, especially in these last couple of years. It's really skyrocketed. That is the result of the philosophy that as a society we've taken on. We are becoming more secular. There are fewer and fewer Christians, especially observant Christians. There's even fewer people that even say they go to church, but just because you come to church does not make you a Christian. I would like for you to be a Christian. I encourage you to go to church, but just walking in that door does not save you. There's more to it than that. But the suicide rate is up and up and up. Meanwhile, we're telling ourselves, you've got to take care of yourself. You've got to be focused on yourself. Nobody else is going to be looking out for you. You've got to look out for yourself. What are the results of that? Take a look around. Does it seem to be going well? God has called us to spread the gospel and to love God and to love others. That's the Great Commission take my gospel throughout the world. That is your job instructions. That's what you're supposed to do. And then love others and love God. I mean, that's pretty much it. God said on just those last two, love God and love others. That's, that's the entirety of the law. In addition, you got the instructions to go tell people about God. Um, but this is all in the owner's manual. And coincidentally, as we get more and more godless and secular, we're not getting any happier, which is the thing that you're supposed to be after. If it makes you happy, whatever makes you happy, you've got to be happy. I'll submit that you do not have to be happy. But even if you're wanting to be happy, is it working? You going your own way or taking the advice of your buds on Facebook or whatever, is it working? You might be fiercely independent. You're your own person. Awesome. Uh, you might be making a whole lot of money. Uh, you might be sleeping with good-looking people. Rich, famous. Getting everything that everybody always says they want. But are you better now? In Ecclesiastes 2, we'll look at verses 10 and 11. Ecclesiastes 2, 10 and 11. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, 
and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Okay? Well, that was the words of Solomon. Solomon was king of Israel at the time. Um, he was known for his wisdom, although he also had some real moments of absolute lack of wisdom. And he spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to be happy. And he wasn't looking at God as the answer for this. He was rich. He was famous. He, he had the money of Elon Musk. And he liked to party like Robert Downey Jr. back when he was on the coke. And uh, he was a poet like Robert Frost. So you get to read his writings, and the dude just had all the, everything he could ever want. And all of Ecclesiastes is him going through and trying everything out. He was experimenting. He was finding himself. And he was kind enough to document his adventures so that you could, uh, it was like a, a, a Hunter S. Thompson kind of, like that kind of guy. And um, a lot of the time, as you're reading through, you will see that he says everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. So as he's going through and trying all these things, things that you will never have the opportunity to experiment in, you're striving for all this money, you're never going to be Solomon rich. And Solomon had the money, and he says this money meant nothing. He tried to buy whatever. He tried uh, building things. You like creating things? You find your satisfaction in work? I think a lot of us do. You are made to create. You're made to, to learn and to grow. That's the way you were designed. That's natural that you're going to have those impulses. But if you're looking at it like, oh, my job is what gives me fulfillment. It's what I can do in service at my, at my work that just really gives me a, a sense of purpose. There's nothing wrong with enjoying your job, but when it becomes your identity, you'll get, you're going to end up like Solomon because that's not where God says to find your identity. That's not what the owner's manual says for you. You're trying to put the wrong kind of oil in, and it's not going to go well for you eventually. You might feel good with it at first, and in fact, it says that in Ecclesiastes from time to time too. It was enjoyable. I liked it. And then it left me empty and meaning. Everything was meaningless. Don't be like Solomon. And if you ever get to read more about Solomon, there's a lot of things I can say, don't be like Solomon. But uh, he's already experimented. He's already tried all of this, and he's already given you the answers. If you'll just concern, consult the owner's manual, look in there. Know what you're supposed to be doing. If you feel like something is wrong, if you feel like something in you is not functioning correctly, Make sure you're looking in the right place. Don't be looking out here at all these other people that tell you they have the answer. The answer is already here, and it's already written down. In uh, Mark 10, we'll look at 43 through 44. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus demonstrated this, and it got put in the book so that you could read about it. As we are trying to find our own satisfaction, and we are trying to find money to fulfill ourselves, and we're trying to find, you know, a good-looking guy or a good-looking girl to make us feel like we're important, the Bible says 
that if you are serving others, that is when you'll get your reward. That's what Jesus did. Jesus was a carpenter. He didn't put down his cross so that he could go make more money as a carpenter. He didn't go try to find somebody because he felt like he wasn't enough and he needed somebody else to make him feel important. In fact, he was alone a lot. How many of us have trouble being alone? Make sure you're consulting that owner's manual so that you know what it is that you need to find your fulfillment and quit being so focused on yourself. It's the exact opposite of advice of what you will see out there. But I'm telling you, just pick up your Bible and read it. Just give it a try. You test God, you will find the answer to your test. He will make himself known to you. It's super easy to get wrapped up in the world now because you're surrounded by it. You're bombarded with it all the time. There's no place that you're going to be hardly anymore and just be by yourself or be with you know just one other person you carry around the entire world in your pocket like all the time and some of us have more of a problem with this than others i know i'm reading probably way more than i should about what's going on in the world and just smacking me in the face with it you become a part of it it's hard to separate yourself when you're being bombarded with it all the time But you have to. You have to separate from it. You can't be a part of it. You're not made to be a part of this world. You were made to be a part of the world when it was the Garden of Eden and everything was peaceful and we didn't know what sin was. Then after the fruit was eaten, the world fell. We fell. We recognized what sin was. Satan wasn't lying when he said, if you eat this fruit, you will have knowledge. We have knowledge. It's just not the knowledge we were supposed to have. We took on the role of God when that happened because that's what he promised. You'll be like God. You'll know right and wrong. Well, you know right and wrong. Is it better? Do you like this life better? Uh, no, I submit that you will not. But when you're, you're hit by the world all the time, you've got, you've got to look at that owner's manual and know right from wrong. Because out there, you're just going to be spinning in circles, and you're not going to know which way is up. Consult your owner's manual. Let's bow our heads. Lord, we thank you for this day, and uh, we thank you for this message, and I ask that you would just reach every person who has heard it and help them to get what they need right now, God. Um, you know the struggles that we go through, and you know the needs in each of our hearts. And you know it in a way that no one else does, not even ourselves, Lord. And I ask that you would just take a moment and just make something powerful happen in each of these lives and, and help us to spread you to others so that those that have no hope can have hope and those that are lost can find their way. We thank you for, for what a blessing that is, that you've created us and you didn't abandon us abandon us. You are still with us. You'll help us get through whatever it is we've got going on. There is no problem that's too great. There's, it's never too late. And you're never helpless, God. Whatever we've got, 
you're in control. And Lord, just help us to spread that hope and, and to spread that knowledge to those that are around us and help us to restore this world that we're living in. Any amount that we can, God, help us to turn it back to you. Lord, we just thank you so much for all that you do for us. And we thank you for the things that you have yet to do for us forever. We love and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. As always, we're going to be closing in, in song. And um, 